0: the troops talk i do <laughs> used to make them clean weapons and we'd oh, yeah? sit back in the nco quarters and listen to them bitch <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's usually the best time to be bitching when you when your hands are busy <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: we used to have this one and that's where <sighs> marine corps were indians can run don't ask me why but we had a guy and i'll never forget he would sit like this with his uh Bolt carrier group, mm-hmm. and you had to watch him because he'd stay drunk all night. <laughs> and he would sit here, and it just looked like he was looking down, but his eyes were closed, mm-hmm. and he could sleep like this and just turn the Q-tip. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to watch. I'd just go out there once in a while, and I'd start screaming.
1: Yeah, and drop fishing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, like on Fridays we'd run a 10K, mm-hmm. I promise you, Long before you got to the turnaround point, he was. He's catching up. <laughs> <Yeah, he's... laughs>
1: uh,
2: it's was crazy. So,
0: uh,
2: how was y'all's weeks?
0: Mine was crazy, crazy, crazy.
1: Pretty much the same. It's been, it's been interesting, kind of losing track of time and actually having work to do, and so mm-hmm. trying to get back into, you know, establishing what time means. So,
2: you know. yeah. Yes, my, I. I almost blew up my oven this week, so. Uh, this is the gas igniter from the oven.
0: <laughs> and, so you have, oh, you have gas. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I when you said I set it to like four twenty degrees to preheat, so we could put a pizza in the oven, and it and all of a sudden there was this big boom, and it shook the whole floor of the house, <clears throat> and I read up on what was going on. This is like a glow plug, basically in a diesel engine. Mm-hmm. And this gets like white hot, and it ignites the gas. But when these things get old, they don't heat properly, right? And so, buildup of gas. And so there's a buildup of gas, <laughs> and then it ignites it. And that's what was happening. And so if you, and they said if you leave it for too long, you can blow the door off the oven. <laughs> I'm like, oh god,
0: <laughs> holy so cow. They said,
2: oh, you just need to clean it. So I tried cleaning it, and what happened was this little part broke clean off. And my father-in-law thinks yeah, that... Yeah, you really cleaned it that hard. Mm, yeah. Well, basically, it was old, so it got brittle. And we think that the cracks were already there, and that's why it wasn't heating up properly. Mm-hmm. So now a new one's coming in. Should it be here Monday or Tuesday? Mm-hmm. But yeah, So
1: no so, more pizzas for you huh? uh, until then. Mm,
2: so that was my excitement this week. That scared the crap out of me. Because um, uh, I was standing right next to the oven when it went when off. When you see
0: all the gas lines in Dallas that were blowing up and stuff and houses. and
2: Thanks for that. I think I am going to keep that story that Robert told about you uh, do yeah <laughs> yeah he could we like we used to listen we used to sit in the office and listen to them bitch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll bleep out bitch if you want <laughs> yeah listen to them now yeah
0: I have to bleep it out
2: I don't okay it's a good well, word you know yeah we'll just put explicit on there yeah <laughs> they're gonna find out very quickly you were marine marine Welcome everyone to the second episode of our podcast, A Jew, A Christian, and An Atheist Walk Into a Bar. It is Sunday, June 7, although if you're listening to this, it's probably on a Wednesday because that's when we release these episodes. Before I begin, if you would like to comment on anything we have to say or ask us questions, and we'd very much like to hear from you, uh, feel free to contact us on Facebook. At JCA Walk Into a Bar, or at Twitter at JCA Walk Into a Bar, or, and I forgot to mention this the last episode, we have an email address, JCA Walk Into a Bar at gmail.com. And as always, we are thankful to Big Useless Brain for letting us use their song Know It All for our theme song. Uh, really generous of them, and you can check them out at Big Useless Brain.com. Big shout out to my friend Andy. My name is Austin and I am joined here with my two colleagues and friends, Rusty
1: and Erhard. So, gentlemen, how's it going? Good. I'm glad you got my name right this time.
0: Did nice, I get it wrong last n- time?
1: Nice, nice pronunciation this time around. What did I say the last time? Something weird in American. Really?
0: Oh. Weird in American.
1: <laughs> Welcome to America. So
0: happy to be here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, gentlemen... Uh, we, we were debating before the we started this show what we wanted to talk about, and if we wanted to talk about a certain subject, but let's be clear, it is it would be very difficult to talk about current events and continue on without actually addressing what has gone on for the last week and the week before that. Uh, it really started getting wild after we recorded our last podcast, and this week was pretty something, so... Uh, one of you want to start out on that?
0: Uh, you we're talking about the riots, yes, yeah, or protests, depending on who you ask. Riots, protests, uh, combination of both. Mm. Uh, my thoughts on it is, yeah, that was a the guy, the policeman in Minnesota went. He was out of line, way overboard. He committed murder. However. There's a—one of the things that concerns me now is I believe there's legislation they're trying to enact that would—a national registry for police offenses? You have got to be kidding me.
2: Yeah, don't we already have something like that? It's called a criminal record? I, I, I mean, I'm just asking.
0: No, no. that, I mean, that can't, can't you
2: look up all these things anyways?
0: I would think— think so i i, I really those don't know aren't
2: sealed i didn't think
0: i don't think they are uh well the news gig got a hold of yeah, some of them because this guy yeah, had a,
2: a record beforehand and they found it
0: yes but creating a, it's a slippery slope we're down yes we have problems it's systemic obviously uh However, it's being co-opted for other reasons. Hmm. And I mean, my that goes beyond. Go ahead.
1: No, my only question would be, you know, what will this record actually do? I mean, it's it it's nice to oh, we're going to put up a registry. And my only real question is, you know, what does it mean? What's it going going to actually accomplish? And I don't think it's going to accomplish a great deal. You know, if you if you want to kind of have a platitude, I think that's exactly what this registry is. It's just, you know, well, we're trying to do something without actually doing anything.
0: That's exactly Um, what it is, because if I could... No. I want to jump in on this, because this blows my mind that we've had, since the Civil Rights Movement, think about this, how many presidents have we had? Eight? Nine? Nine, I I, I, I,
2: Lyndon Johnson, Nixon. Yep.
1: Ford, Carter. Who was a peanut farmer, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Reagan. Reagan, Bush. Bush, Clinton. Clinton, Bush second, Obama, and now Trump. Ten.
0: Ten, Ten, Ten Trump. presidents. Every president is going to fix it. Every president has all these, and they, they run on it, but nothing ever happens. Mm. And we're always back to the same situation. Ten. That's something to think about. For 10 presidents, you go back and look at their platforms, every one of them. I am going to do this, 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 full of, and nothing ever happens. We revisit the same problems every election. And I find it amazing, this has blown up. This is an election year. This is an election year, so this is part of the blow up on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the media runs with it. But we've had consistently, it just sticks in my mind, I I didn't realize the number was that high, but 10 presidents who promised to fix this, and nobody's done it. When you
2: say fix this, do you mean um, police police brutality or police brutality against people of color?
0: Police brutality. Okay. Hmm. Yeah,
2: because I'll be honest with you, I'm seeing police officers on video beat as many white people as they're beating black people. Because they're they're all protesting together and i think that's to me anyways mm-hmm. i think that this is that that is a big difference than some of the riots we saw in the past is that some most of the riots i remember seeing on tv in the past So i, I wasn't i don't think i was alive in, during the la riots but i've seen video of it it was mostly people of color you know out protesting and getting their their beaten by cops in la the rodney king rodney king riots i remember
0: so. that i was in california at the time <laughs> And yeah. uh were was, you rioting or were you beating? <laughs> huh. I was neither. Ah, good. okay. So, I was, but a serviceman. Ah, okay.
2: so it—it's what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing people of color and white people all together, and the police aren't differentiating. They're beating everybody, mm-hmm. and and I want to—I want to be careful here because I know a lot of people. A lot of people will support the police officers. And remember, I, I think I mentioned in the last episode, my dad was a police officer. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with police officers. I mean, they were over at my house all the time, right? And I have a great deal of respect for police officers because you are putting your life in danger every time you walk up to that window on a car, especially now. Um, Even back then. But I'm, but I'm beginning to understand that there's a dis- that there's a vast difference between how police operate, at least around here, in the county we're in, and even the state we're in, and how they operate in New York City and Los Angeles. There's a vast difference. Because even my father, who watched the news this week, he saw the same things I did, which was the two biggest things that really got to him were the police, the uh, LAPD running over protesters with their cars, using their squad cars to run and ram into people who were unarmed. Whether they were throwing stuff or not, my dad said, that's not an excuse. He said, those cars can take a beating. He says, plus, the cops are armed to the teeth inside the car. He said, so there's no excuse to plow a bunch of people. Can I jump? Yeah, and just real quick, the second thing that he saw that really bothered him was the same video I saw. I think uh, Jimmy Dore had it on his thing, too, which was a a kid was filming cops beating somebody, and he was, like, standing 10 feet away. He wasn't trying to interfere or anything. He was just standing there recording it, and a cop came up behind him, grabbed him by the waist— and slung him around headfirst into a car door, knocked him clean out. And my dad goes, why? Why? He he wasn't trying to interfere. He was just standing there. And he says, it seems to me that all that rage was built up on the cop side too, and he just wanted to take that guy out. And my dad goes, there's no... He says, his exact words were, yeah, policing's not what it used to be. <laughs> I'm like, it's an understatement. So go ahead. You were going to say, Russell. Yeah, man.
0: and I... <laughs> And I am not defending the cops by any means, but we're we're walking down a very slippery mm-hmm. slope. Somebody suggested defunding law enforcement. Are you kidding me? I do not want that alternative. Do we have bad cops? We have bad any organization that's got more than five people, you're gonna have bad people. That's just the way of the world. It's not gonna change. They're humans. But when you start talking about defunding, and also there's a little more to a lot of these, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, Lots of times we're getting, we get film, and this has nothing to do with the killing and the murder in Minnesota. This has to do with many of the other incidents you've seen where you get a freeze frame, a captured moment. What happened before that? We don't know. Mm. Did he throw something at the cop? I, oh, you're I, talking
2: about the murder up in Minnesota. Oh no
0: no no no, that's. Oh, you're oh no, you're talking about um. A lot of the other you, we'll get to Oh, the
2: other videos that are coming out. In New York. a lot of
0: the stuff. other videos, and I would not want to be a policeman. First off, you're underpaid for what you do, and you really do. You put your your life on the line when you walk out the door, and now you've got nobody supporting you. The public. Considers you a bad person, mm. and yet you're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to go out and do good things. It's, uh, it's And
1: you know something. Speaking of the videos that hang around, something that I see that's also very interesting, at least on my part, is that all of the cops are busy managing protest. And the majority of videos I see where people are looting, I don't see police officers arresting people who are looting or beating them. So, you know, by, by exception, I, I saw one or two videos of, you know, people looting and then being, being, being arrested. But I think it definitely mm. speaks to something that, you know, police officers are being preoccupied with, with protests. And I don't know if they're actually making the decision of, oh, we're well, managing the protest or being told, oh, manage the protest. And then all of the looting kind of falls by, by the wayside because there simply aren't enough police officers to actually manage real problems. To, to, to go on record, I think that there is a considerable difference between protesting and rioting and looting. Now, yes. I, I, I cannot get behind people who loot shops and break in for no, no good reason. I can support people when they are, I would say, protesting peacefully but he, herein lies the big problem i mean if you have a large protest and cops are being distracted people who would go loot on any other day even if there weren't a protest would use the protest to go break in and steal stuff that they want so where do you actually draw draw the line between a protest a riot and a loot well a, a looting at least you know where where do we actually draw 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 the line and that Ask the question as well, you know, when you look at police brutality, what is acceptable levels of, well, brutality and what are not acceptable levels of brutality? I mean, if you look at places in Africa, for instance, police and military work together, and there you can either have your head bashed in with a, you know, a, a baton, or you can get shot. So which which level of, of police brutality would you, would you prefer? You know, you can be hit with a bat or you can be shot. Hmm. Big can of worms. I'm sorry I had to drop drop all of that on you, but that you know, was that's what this that podcast was not is for. And you know? that was a bucket. Well, I mean, <laughs> tomato, tomato, <you> yeah.
0: Know?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think you have a good point because I saw those same videos at the same time that that cop in New York was throwing that guy into the door. There were looters who were robbing sacks on Fifth Avenue uh, there in New York. They were hitting the Upper East Side, and who would rob
1: sacks? You know.
2: Well, it's a nice clothing store, but, or they were robbing, I- they were taking iPhones out of stores. And, and the irony there is that Apple, when it's the demos, Apple uh, tracks all those phones. And so they can track all these people. But I, I think, and you know, I, I, my, when I talked to my dad about this, even my dad said, my, my dad, my dad was just kind of stunned when he saw that video of the guy, of George Floyd in Minnesota. Because he said, he said, Austin, when I was a cop, he said, it would have never have occurred to me to put my knee on a man's neck. He said, because Austin, he says, it only takes like 18 pounds of force to break a human neck. And he said, I would never, he says, it, it would never, he says, that's beyond my, my comprehension. He says we were never trained to put our knees onto people. He said, that was something you, he said, you tried to restrain them as safely as possible. He says, but you didn't, you didn't do any type of move that would possibly endanger them. And he says, but to keep your knee on somebody's neck for, what was it, nine minutes? Nine minutes. Three minutes after he probably, uh, they think he died, right? And it's like, my dad was like, that. he used to call these guys turkeys. Now he calls them something else, right? Yeah. And um, it's just he, so far removed from what policing used to be. And I, and I asked the question, I wonder this. Do you think, and I want to ask both of your opinions on this, Do you think that, because I've noticed it's mainly LAPD and New York and NYPD that are really having issues? And do you think it's because for maybe the last hundred years or so, these two police forces have been fighting against their own citizenry in all reality? I mean, think about the crime rate that New York had back in the day and the crime rate that LA, p- that LA had back in the day, do you think that maybe the culture that we're seeing now where, where the cops act the way they do is because a culture was bred for like the last century even of there's a certain segment of the population of these cities that the police view as quote-unquote the enemy and- or, or the people that can harm you. And so this has been bred into them In their training. And one
0: of the things that you're bringing up on that, and it goes back to the systemic, they were saying that in Minnesota, you know, the other police officers did nothing. Well, Hmm. I saw a brief blurb where two of those were rookies and one of them had only been on the force four days. So that goes to that just perpetuating it, if you will. Do you you
2: interfere with what your superior is doing? Exactly.
1: Well, I mean, you're talking about back in the day. If you look at the race riots in New York, of all places, during the 1860s, um, what happened? Well, you had the police, the Navy, and the National Guard go and kill the Germans and the Irish who were rioting during that, that, that time period. And, well, that speaks to your point directly. There you have a rock-solid historical documented case which you know, is portrayed in the movie Gangs of New York, and you can think what you want about that movie, but at least that part is pretty, pretty accurate, that the police force was used to actually repress the quote-unquote citizenry of New York City. And they just murdered people because they were, well, rioting or, or protesting. Granted, they were lynching black people within the city, which I take um, umbrage with. But there you have a precedent for this culture being established that those forces have always been used traditionally within New York against the general citizenry. This is not a case of the London police force, which doesn't really use a heavy hand against its citizenry throughout its history. Here you have a case that the heavy-handed approach has been used on several occasions by governors, by mayors, using the police force to go repress any civil action taken by the citizenry of, of New York, at least. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's just wild.
2: I mean, and and I think that everything has been um, exacerbated by the fact. And you brought this up, Earhart, when all this shutdown stuff happened. Mm-hmm. I believe you quoted the movie V for Vendetta. Yes, yeah, I did with that cop saying that, you know, this is exactly... The cop basically talking about that everybody's... All this stress, all this anger, people don't have jobs, people can't feed their families, it all builds up, and eventually somebody's going to do something incredibly stupid. Pandemic
0: and, we just had. and That's why I'm talking about, the shutdowns.
2: Yeah. And Earhart said this at the beginning, like two months ago, him and I were talking about this, and, and Earhart said, you know, in the movie, um, a secret police officer shot a little girl who was... Vandalizing a V. Have you ever seen V for Vendetta? No. Oh, you should. You'd like it. It's, it's a, a good movie. It's it's dystopian future London, yes. um, where it's a totalitarian state, and V V is a well, he's labeled a terrorist, but he's a revolutionary basically. He wears a Guy Fox mask, and it, it's a good movie. I won't give too much of a way, but anyways, there's a point there where all this tension is built up in society caused by um, what uh, V is doing. That's the name of the guy, and the police officer said, you know. Eventually, somebody does something stupid, and a secret police officer shoots a little girl who is spray-painting a V. And I mean, she's like 10, or no, maybe 12 or 13.
1: Something like that. But- and
2: and when that happens, society completely turns on the secret police, and they lose their their, their minds. And Earhart said, something like that's going to happen. All this shutdown stuff, people are losing their jobs, people are going to get stressed, they're going to become angry. And he said, eventually, somebody's going to do something stupid. And I think that's exactly what happened in Minnesota a cop kneeled on a man's neck on video for nine minutes until that man was dead. America watched a public lynching on TV. Uh, Basically, I mean, and, and that was the something stupid. And now all this pent up anger and stress caused by the pandemic shutdowns is being unleashed. And the police are now the target. And and society in general. I mean, they're looting targets. They're looting. I mean, it's I just general chaos. Which, and I, you know,
0: if I could jump in on yeah, that, go ahead. police being the target. Uh, the police historically have been the target for some time.
2: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not saying that that um, there are some people who target the police. I'm not saying the protesters are. I want to make. I, I want to make sure I'm clear on that. I'm not saying the protesters are targeting police. In many cases, the protesters. Are, are angry at the police, but they're not targeting them. You know what I mean? They they are protesting them, but they're not lashing out and, uh, violently at the police, the protesters who are protesting peacefully. Uh, I do believe there are instigators who hate the police and want to target them, and I think they're the ones starting crap with the police, mm-hmm. which then the police, if you're an officer, you don't know... Somebody just threw a brick at your head. You don't know which one that was, right, in the, in the throng. And... But there are some police out there who I've seen um, that disturb me because they they seem to enjoy pepper spraying people. There's one I've seen video peaceful protesters with their hands up six feet away from the cops, not moving towards them or anything. And I watched a cop just do this sh- and spray mace right into them. And I I just can't get. where
0: they and I have a question and yeah. I'm not defending by any means, yeah. but I always when I look at a situation I want to know what. Built up to the situation mm. as an historian, mm. what suddenly yeah. the context,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. And people take and people take that attitude as you're trying to dismiss it, and I, and I don't think you are right. You're just, no, oh,
0: you're God, wanting no. to know
2: did something lead up to that, or did yeah. The and I don't do know.
0: It? And the right. only reason I'm saying that is because the example of the protests in Dallas where they were blocking an interstate mm. that's, I mean, you could be peaceful or whatever, but to me, you're blocking an interstate, you're holding up traffic.
2: Well, it's dangerous, too. Yes. Because if somebody throws on their brakes all of a sudden, because not to hit a protester, the car behind them might not be able to stop. And so it was never, it's always, I'm all for protesting, even on the city streets, like in downtown Mm -hmm. Dallas, that's Mm -hmm. fine, but not an interstate where people are flying along at 75, 80 miles an hour. That's just dangerous to the protester,
1: and it's dangerous to motorists. And, but I think you know. people, people are actually doing that because they feel that they're not being heard when they, they mm-hmm. do protest in, yeah. in, in, in the downtown area. So now they're taking civil action by you know, blocking major arteries. And this is something that I personally think can get out of hand and is quite dangerous. You know, re- relating back to a conversation that we had about the movie V, v for Vendetta, someone do- doing something stupid. Now you see an escalation of that stupid act. Um, people are protesting, so you have a police crackdown. And the more intense the police crackdown comes, I have to be- beg the question, when will people have enough? I mean, wh- what if someone in the crowd is stupid enough to throw a Molotov cocktail and set a bunch of cops on fire? What happens then? You know, mm-hmm. Then the cops escalate as well. Then- go back
0: and look at, if I could say no, so, on, go back face. and look at the number of policemen that were injured in New York. Yes. Uh, the ambush last night... Of a I deputy didn't hear about sheriff, the ambush. Mm. ambush of a deputy sheriff last night Where in at? California. Mm. Uh, you go through the list; they've been targeted for some time. Well, yep.
2: we knew that was going to happen because Jimmy Dore even he said when when the videos came out of the LAPD put, ramming their cars into protesters. Jimmy Dore said, "So what's going to happen when the when people start trying to run over the police?" He says it's going to happen. If they see videos of the police doing it, they're going to say, "Well, if the police can do it, then I have to fight back." And sure enough, like two days later, there was a video of a person like full on hitting a cop. It threw the cop like eight feet in the air, and he hit another car. I mean, I mean no,
0: like, I and I I got to jump in on this yeah. because now remember, I lived in California during the Rodney King thing. There was so much that didn't come out on that that mm-hmm. still blows my mind. I don't think you—I think there's a hatred of cops, and I don't think you need to see a video to actually—or see something happen to actually go do to—you're not imitating. You're doing what you—there's some accountability. No. It's not—and we've managed to somehow take all accountability out of the equation.
2: No, what I'm saying is the escalation. That's what I'm saying, is that—
1: Cops start running over people. People start running over cops.
0: I mean I, I have to disagree with both
1: of you. I mean oh. if uh. you if you look at this issue, I mean there were always people who were going to target cops before these riots and before the the, the, the police crackdown. Um, that is an established fact. There are always people who will go out, out of their way who hate cops and will try and kill them or hurt them at least. And I think now the situation is just going to get worse because more, more and more people have more reason to go. To go
0: and do this, would you say? Would you agree that it's been co-opted of sort?
1: I mean, I think you can make that argument um, that it has been co-opted by people for any any number of reasons. But then again, the same can be can be true of any single thing. I mean, you can you can co-opt the. The milkman in saying that, well, you know, the milk he delivered to my house was sour. So the milkman kind of delivered sour <laughs> milk.
0: The milkman is the devil. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it,
1: it, it's kind of dangerous to make kind of broad arguments without, I think, enough evidence and thought. But, you know, as to the police issue, I think there's always been people who hate the police and want want to do harm, harm to them regardless of the situation on, on, on the ground. My point is only that this situation is just making that so much harder for the, for the police. Now, I don't think we should defund the police department or get rid of the police, because I have been in Africa where there are no police, where there are a local warlord who kind of decides what goes and what doesn't. And, you know, he makes, the, makes this decision because he controls a local militia that has all of the guns. So I don't think America is quite there yet, but it is a very fine line that you need that you need to walk between law enforcement and you know keeping what I would call civilization going. And,
0: and this I is – Go ahead. I, no, I just think we w- would all agree there's a systemic problem. Yes. Yeah. That, However, that the determine. resolution is not to declare war on law enforcement.
2: No, I think it's to no. give. I think it's to. I think first of all, it's better screening of who you're hiring to become cops. Because I know of several people I went to school with that um, wanted to be cops, and they had anger issues. And I mean big-time anger issues. So much so that they got kicked out of the Army for having anger Who gets kicked out of the U.S. Army for having anger issues? I asked you. And they
0: still became...
2: No, they tried to become a cop. And, they should have and, joined the Marines. And, and, you know, God bless the Mansfield Police Department. They recognized and said, yeah, you're not working here, man. And, he, and, and since they rejected him, no other one would do it. Wouldn't take him. And Because he failed his psych eval.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's like, it's like, there are certain people who want to become cops because they were either bullied or were bullies. Mm-hmm. And they want to get that power back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is, that is true. You, you know, and I have a friend right now. I went to school with him. He's a cop here in this small town. And and I know him. And I know that he doesn't have these types of issues. And I think he's, he's a good guy. You know what I mean? And so, um, it's, I think there needs to be better screening for who you're hiring to become a cop, and I think there needs to be better training. And the calls I've heard, I don't know when this started, the whole thing of defund the cops. Defunding is, is you know, as, as Earhart said, if you take away the cops, then what's left, and I want to touch on that in a second, I think what you have to do is start what I would call, or what many people have called, demilitarizing the police taking away the use of military tactics against people. Now there's a certain there's a certain time and a place to use those tactics against rioters and people who are wanting to to cause violence. but, but when you train a cop to think to use military tactics against people, that's an escalation, not a de-escalation. They're not being trained- well I guess what I'm trying to say is that they're not being trained from what I can see, and again, not talking about local cops here, but the cops I see in New York and the LPD. It looks more like things are being escalated rather than de escalate And that's, I know, here comes the slippery slope argument. You know, where do you, uh, where do you go from there? But just real quick, I want to touch on something Earhart said before I forget, which is what happens if you defund them and you get rid of them? What happens then? And this goes back to what we talked about, tribalism, our first topic from from the first episode, yeah. tribalism. And remember I said that that guy, um, Werner, was his name he wrote that book the rule of the clan and he was talking about when a state fails to protect the rights of the individual we we automatically as a society revert back to tribalism and clanism because the question is where is your protection coming from
1: Where's, yeah where where is your social cultural loyalty and yeah. it's with the people closest to you yeah and so clan if, or your tribe. if the police aren't there to protect you if the police are not there
2: to protect you then where are you going to go for that protection of society, that protection of culture, that protection of civilization? And we know the answer to that, because we'll go back to being a tribe. You're going to have your, your clan leader, your tribe leader, your don, if you will, and the godfather. That's not, that's not a trope, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Sicily, right? You have a, a, the head of a powerful family that has money, and can provide you with protection, can provide you with economic stability, can provide you with all the things you need for, for civilization and life. And that's where your loyalty then lies. And he said, and, and Werner's whole thing was, as we became a more, more and more focused as a society on the rights of the individual, we removed ourselves from the clan, from the tribe, because once the rights of the individual were guaranteed by the federal government, you didn't have to go to the Don,
1: or protection economic viability. Well, I mean, to, to talk to that exact example, that's why you see the drug cartels are so very powerful within the southern parts of Mexico, because the Mexican government simply has failed in its duty to protect its citizens there. And, you know, I, I love Mexico. I truly do. It's a fascinating mm-hmm. people, a wonderful culture. But the government failed to protect the economic and political rights of those people. So the only economic development in those areas are run by the drug cartels. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that everyone in, in, in the south of Mexico is directly involved in the manufacturing of drugs. No. Many of these you know local drug lords understand that there need to be people who run a grocery store. There need to be people who fix cars. There needs to be a doctor to take care of the community. And they pay those people to take care of the community in which they manufacture drugs. I mean, this is tribalism or kind of the feudalism probably at its finest, where you have the rich man, the lord of the manor, you know, who who runs everything. The don. Because there is no viable economic alternative
0: or or political alternative, at least.
1: Robert, you were going to say. Yeah, sorry.
0: I just... When you were talking, you were talking about how it's me and you had a conversation driving up. Yeah, on gangs. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. Uh, you can't get satisfaction with the family, and you want protection. You end up going to a gang. I mean, you, you it, would
2: have, you would have, you both of you would have enjoyed that class that I took from uh, Reinhardt. Uh, honor and violence in in Europe, because he starts at the very beginning about the concepts of honor. Doctor Reinhardt, right? Yeah, Doctor Reinhardt, um, with with the with the with the concept that that violence is tied into honor, the protection of honor. He starts off in the medieval ages and he brings it all the way into um, depending on where we, how far we got into modern day. But basically, the factions that you saw in Italy per se. Different families had different men and people who were loyal to them, and they'd go and kill each other in the streets, is no different, according to him, than the modern-day gangs that you have today. It's the same type of ideas. So basically, he's saying this is an ancient thing. In Rome, ancient Rome, it was the same way, right? You had factions loyal to different bosses down by the river, and the Senate would let them have their way because the Senate really didn't want to get into it. Eventually, emperors tried to reform those areas, but you had bosses that sometimes were put in place by the government, and the and they had factions, and it it it's 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 just fascinating this perpetuation of of clanism tribalism has never really gone away, and it's been this fight that's really uh, and uh, the professor put it in that light, which was that it's been a continual fight between uh, our human instinct to go to tribalism against the human desire for society and civility. And those two are always at odds. And it seems the more liberal government you have, the more we lean towards, you know, civilization, moving, removing ourselves, anti-tribalism. But the less liberal society and the protections for the individual you have, you go closer to tribalism, which Mexico is a very good example of that. It's northern Mexico too. And, and Erhard, you did work in your master's thesis, I believe you were talking about um, how Mexico failed to protect Northern Mexico from the Comanche raids. Yes, and so the people were depending
1: more on the Comanche for protection than yes. they were Mexico City. Can
0: I plug yes. a book on that? Yeah, go ahead. War, of, do. War oh, of a
1: Thousand Deserts. Mm-hmm. Brian Brian Delay. Excellent book. Brian Delay. Book. Yeah, he
0: lays that out with it.
1: Uh Pekka Hamalainen's book, The Comanche Empire, is also just yes. as as fascinating on that very he subject has... where I mean he, he and both make a very convincing argument that the Comanche created an empire within the American Southwest, and there were few people who could match them politically or militarily most importantly. I mean, the work that I did on northern Mexico clearly proves that all of those local cities had to do their own thing, and they paid protection money to the Comanche to not raid their cities and kill their their you know civilian populations, and they simply refused to pay any taxes to Mexico City. They so, "Well, I'm sorry, we already sent our tax, you know, to the Comanche, so we don't have any money to send you. Send us troops to protect us from the Comanche." Was the argument that most of them made, and then they said, "Well, then we'll pay you." And the Mexican government simply. Never did for whichever reason, either couldn't afford it or it was too busy fighting off civil wars. Mm -hmm. Which the generals coming into Mexico City and saying, I'm the president now. Every every general with an army can become president. What what was
2: it you said uh, in your master's thesis? You wrote that between when they got between like 1833 and 1852, like it's like a 22
1: year period, they had 22 years they had 30 something different presidents or 20, something like that. 22 years 35 different presidencies well the presidency changed 35 times and yeah. a lot of those times it was Santa Anna who became president again 10 like, different
0: mm-hmm. times Santa Anna was president. it was
1: well was named president or made himself president that's yeah. a, that's a debate you know for for for, for a future podcast <laughs> well and, and
2: look yeah but look at look at what's happening now i have an article here that i printed off just you know in preparation for our the beginning of our podcast you know, if we ever wanted to talk about, but it's in here somewhere. It, it was either New York Times or somebody, something, but during the pandemic, mm-hmm. in northern Mexico, El Chapo's daughter was handing out medical supplies, and the cartels were handing out medical supplies to the Mexican people because Mexico was incapable of helping people in northern
1: Mexico. Yes, that's, and and that's the same thing in this country in the Appalachian Mountains, which most Americans don't talk about. Where is the government in the involvement within the Appalachian Mountains, simply not there. I mean, it is one of the most economically depressed places in the United States, and that's why people there revert to their tribalism, their, their own communities. A dear, dear friend of mine um, who did work there um, is publishing a book, and it, it's going to come out soon. And she says that that's exactly what her research shows, is that it is a poor community that relies on its kind of it, it's tribalism, and and she brings up the Hatfields and and the McCoys, McCoys. Mm-hmm. within her her argument, saying that you know the federal government is simply not there, local governments aren't particularly interested, so you know each little family or clan,
2: the hillbilly clans, the hillbilly yeah.
1: clans, yes, not not to be derogatory towards no, hillbillies, but- you know, banjo music has its appeal. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you know how fast to run. But... <laughs> 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 yes, yes, that is uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, true, true. Um, but you know, I think it it definitely argues to that point. I mean, in my own my own country of South Africa, there is the same level of tribalism that you find in northern Mexico, where you have local political bosses or local tribal leaders or chiefs still. Who hold a considerable amount of power um, within Zululand? The Zulu king, for instance, he's still a very strong um, political figure, and he definitely supports his own his own people as they 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 support him.
0: Hmm. That. Go
1: ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I assume
0: no. I we got off on this, but I yeah. wanted to. Yeah.
1: We, we get back on it, sure.
0: Well, let's get right. back. Let's get back on where we were at because now there's talk. Uh, General Mathis came out against can, the can use I ask of. You a
2: Question about that? It's funny you should mention that because I wanted to bring
0: it up. Yeah, but please just finish. No, finish. finish. Sorry, 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 go ahead. Daniel. No, no. no I, I, apologize. Just, I apologize. I just because we're on the riots and. Uh, the protests mm-hmm. and resolution etc what and with mathis coming out with that now the use of military with? force mm-hmm.
2: is talking about trump threatening to use the military trump threatening people. to
0: use the military uh against civilian populace yeah
2: and i i pronounced it mattis is it mathis
0: Mattis. Mattis, okay. Just say Mad Dog. Mad Dog, yeah. Okay. Mad Dog, so, we'll just so, call him Mad Dog. And I dog. wanted to
2: ask you this question because, you know, he did come out and say you can't do that, and that's a line you don't want to cross, right? And not not to expose you, but I asked you beforehand if I could mention this. You are you know, Rusty, you're a former Marine. Mad Dog is was a Marine general,
1: Correct. Are you, yes. a, oh, are you yes? Are you? ever really a former marine, or are you just kind of former? Staying? Always a marine.
0: Former never X. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Former
1: never
2: X. So so, what I want to ask is, when he came out and did that, and now he's doing several things. I am seeing him. First of all, he published a book. One, and two, he came out and spoke out against the president, which a, a general rarely does that,
0: especially
2: him. Yes. And let me ask you this, and I want to get both your opinions on this, but especially you, Rusty. I'm just so I want to do a hypothetical question and then I wanna say ask how likely that hypothesis is. If Mad Dog Mattis were to run against
0: Trump in the primary, would you vote for him? Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> uh, is that a yes then? Uh, you know, honestly, right now I wouldn't. I I really wouldn't. Uh, I think that was very—this is during the same administration he served under. That was—to me, he crossed a line. He crossed a line because there's a responsibility that comes with your rank and position and previous position. There's a responsibility that comes with that. And when you—America— is ha- it, This is a troubling time. There is no doubt. This is a crazy world right now. Why would you go in and undermine your former boss? Because that's what he did. He undermined him. Did Okay.
2: To counter that, though, did the president not undermine himself in threatening to use the military against
0: American Are citizens? Are you saying that the military has never been used? Uh, well, the
2: last time the military was used against American citizens was what? Civil War? Around the
1: Civil War, eighteen sixty. Yeah, because right when, in the seventies, no, in the seventies and sixties. No, no, 60s, Go back had... to
0: World War One, where they used the uh, the military was used after World War One when those guys were protesting.
1: What the, the Pullman car strike?
0: No, the no. veteran
1: strike in front of the White veterans House. Strike. during strike the Great Depression when Hoover sent in the army to remove. Was it these the army? Or the na- oh, wait, the National Guard
2: didn't exist yet, did it?
0: Mm, I believe they did. Did
2: they? So was it the army or the National Guard? As far as I can recall, he sent in federal troops to go and remove them. Okay, because the reason. I, okay, so the reason I'm bringing this up is, is that, you know, somebody said, "Well, you know, it happened in the '60s and '70s." I said, "No, it was the National Guard that did that." Yeah, it wasn't the military. There's a there's a there's in- a, there's it's just that it, it, once you go down that road, and I'm going to use your analogy, it's a slippery slope. Once you use the military to against the American people, does yes. that not undermine you? Because okay, now you lose their trust if you do that.
0: Okay, but let's let's put the we everything's needs to be put in context with this whole issue. Hmm. Is you had governors that could enforce no more than ten people together for the pandemic, but yet they couldn't control ten thousand people. That's a fair point. I, that's <laughs> no, that's, no, that's I, like the governor got to pick their fight because because and what the president was doing. I don't mean really? to. I, it, it, they have the option to use the national guard. Do they really want to solve it, or they just want to perpetuate the problem for political reasons?
1: I mean, you do, do talk to your point is you know people allowed themselves to be locked in their houses by governors and mayors. Uh, now people are not allowing governors and mayors to install curfews and stop them from from protesting. And that's, that's, I think, where you see exactly what's happening now. I mean, I think a good enough argument can be made that governors are not solving the problem. They're only intensifying it by sending out police forces or National Guard forces so do, to stop wait, wait, protests. Wait,
0: wait, wait, now wait. Now we've crossed... You're saying they might not be solving the problem by sending them out, but yet on the same note, we're complaining about the looters. I mean, a 200-year-old church is burned across from the White House.
2: What St. John's?
0: Was that a 200-year-old church? Something. Well, like that's that?
2: the only one across from the White House. But that's yeah. you're talking about the one that he took a photo op in front of.
0: There was a church that was burned.
2: I don't remember one being burned I across from him. I didn't no. read anything huh.
1: like 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 that. No, there was, was there was a
2: up. there was a church that was burned. Um, a very old church that was burned in the South because they weren't following the pandemic guidelines and they were still meeting and somebody spray painted, uh, now maybe you'll stay home. Uh, I remember reading that, but St. John's Episcopal, if there's a, if there's a, somebody trying to burn down a church right across from the White House, I mean, the Secret Service are going to see it. Uh, that's that that's a very secure area. I, I Now, I do recall when he took that photo up in front of the church... Uh, it was all boarded up to keep it from being looted and ro- and people r- damaging it. Who loots a church,
1: you know? Right. it's like, it's like robbing a grave, you know. Well, uh, so
0: back but, to her. yeah. Go ahead on yeah, on yeah. the yeah. Finish the thought because we get the, off on these tracks. So yeah, no, 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 no. On the on the military thing, uh, that was more of a governor's. You need to start handling this their, your situation. Don't make me have to step in.
2: So he was trying to, you think, galvanize the governors to action.
0: I believe so, honestly, because you had governors that were, uh, for lack of a better word, they were choosing what to enforce and what not to enforce. Mm. They chose to enforce the pandemic to no end, which let's call it for what it is. They still are. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they're not. New York is. Okay, New York were the riots or in the ri- in the no, they still,
2: no, they're still shut down because of the pandemic thing. They're not allowing businesses to open up.
0: They're not allowing businesses to open up, but they're allowing protests.
1: Yeah. Well, they
2: Can yeah, you well, see what fair, I'm saying? Yeah, I know so what you're saying. Th- that does Oh, but that would be violating people's right to assemble, yes, right? Yes. Exactly. Uh, so But on the
0: same note, they didn't want you to have 10 people in your own home. More than 10 people. It's like, come on.
1: Because people bought into the argument of, you know, not having 10 people in your home. People allowed governors to institute laws like like that. And this is my original
0: point, and perhaps I explained Wasn't it, it Como I, said that you go to jail?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, when the governor says that, yeah, I mean, it.
1: Yeah, I mean, governor can come around and he can arrest you and your family in your home. How is the governor going to arrest 10,000 people on the street? Well,
2: I think this goes back to what we were talking about in the first episode, which was you, you Rusty, mentioned that people will only... Uh, the government government can only do to people what the people allow to be done to people themselves. People allow, so yes. People allowed themselves to be put in their homes That's and sequestered. My,
1: that is my point. Yeah.
2: yeah. But people, but when it came to protesting, the governors knew that they weren't going to be able to keep people from protesting because the people were going to do it and try and stop us. And and now, you know, what? How do you? How do you? Were
0: they doing it for that reason, or they were? Were they doing it for political gain? The governors. Yes. Well, I'll, there's I'll, a big I'll, difference. Well, I'll, I'll, so I'm you sorry. have
2: political gain. I'll, 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 no, I'm just going to say, I think, I think it's because we have some inept governors in this country. That's just me, who don't know how to handle anything. Uh, Cuomo, I have very little respect for um, because he uh, – now, while he has come out and, and condemned the violence of police officers, right, at the same time, he totally mishandled the situation in his own state, and he does everything for a political reason.
1: Yeah, I mean so, that, Go that, ahead. Earhart. That's Sorry. kind of. I was going to answer your question with a question of my own. When has that not been the case? That politicians have not used everything to their own exact well to their own benefit. Let's go
0: back to Abraham Lincoln. Then was it politically advantageous for him? To, call it for what it is. Was it politically advantageous for him to free slaves? Yes. At no. the time. It wasn't politically advantageous for him at the time, but he stepped up and did the right thing regardless.
2: I don't – because he only freed the slaves in the states that were in rebellion against uh, the Union. So he didn't free the the slaves that were in the border states like, say, Missouri – what were the border states –
1: Oh, I can't recall. Uh, telling about on, on the stop here. Ohio, yeah, Maryland, Maryland, yeah.
2: They were those states were in the Union and they weren't the slaves in those states were not freed, and so it was. In a manner, it wasn't politically advantageous. It was advantageous towards the war, because now he's making he was making the war about something else. And there's that famous quote when he wrote that letter to that guy saying, "If I could, if Erhard, you have it more memorized than I do. Oh, I mean, if
1: I if I could free, if I could save the Union, slavery intact, I would I would do it as well as I would do it with slavery um, removed. Yes. Yeah. And if I
2: could free some slaves and keep others and preserve the Union, I would do that too. So he was willing to do whatever it took. And after to
0: save the Union.
2: Yeah. And think about the fact that there there is a political reason. I think okay. So there is a political reason behind it because. There were several different things that went in there. When you free the slaves in the South, first of all, if the slaves in the South get wind of the fact that the president just did an pro- emanci- emancipation, emancipation sorry, proclamation, no, emancipation proclamation. Enunciate, sir. Enunciate, enunciate, I know. An emancipation proclamation, was talking too fast, apologize. Then the hope is that the slaves will start rebelling while all their masters are off fighting the war. There's, there's that, but there's also the fact that once you make this about slavery... Britain is less likely to come in on the side of the South because Britain had outlawed slavery.
1: I mean, that is, that is part of what I was going to add into the political advantageousness of actually freeing the slaves is that England would not be able to legitimately support the Confederacy. They would, they would lose their standing among the European community. And people often forget this, but Thaddeus Stevens and the Radical Republicans were going to withdraw their support for Lincoln unless something was actually being done. So I think for, for, for political reasons, Lincoln was put in a bit of a spot. Mm. And I'm not saying that, you know, this is not the same I don't think times- that was
0: a politi- – bottom line on this is I think Lincoln did the right thing. It, was not, it, does, it wasn't that he did it for a political advantage as much. At the end of the day, it was the right thing.
1: Well, I think these
2: you No, know, yeah, we're in, not trying to say it wasn't the right thing to do. We're just saying that there, yeah, not, there was politics involved in it. Oh, though. absolutely. Yes, like we, the timing of when it was
1: released Yeah, We we, yeah. we may be in Texas, but we're not pro, you know, pro pro slavery. Um, used to be a Confederate state, Texas. People like to forget that. But, you know, this is this is my 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 point. You know, I think that here you have one of those rare cases where the political expedient thing also correlated with the right thing. And I think Lincoln was the right man for, for, for the
0: right time. I don't disagree with that. However, when you're willing to sacrifice... I don't know how to put this where it makes sense. No, no, please. please. I, I, I think a lot of these political decisions, you're willing to sacrifice the good for a political advantage.
1: Well, I think that is that is... Well, because there's some true.
0: things that are simply politics turns, it makes it muddy, but at the end of the day, what's right and what's wrong.
1: And, you know, I would, I would support that argument is that, you know, you do have people who make the right decisions at the right times. But very often you see that, you know, what is politically expedient is, you know, the choice that people make. And that often disregards what is the right, the actual right thing to do. Um, look, look at um, going back in American history. You have the debate on slavery mm-hmm. during the Constitutional Convention. And the Founding Fathers decided, well, this is not a problem that we can deal with right now because the, th- the southern states of the 13 colonies were going to leave the convention and you wouldn't have actually had you know the ratification of the constitution and the creation of the United States of America and they simply decided because of well political expediency let's create a, a United States and we'll deal with slavery later on and kick that's that why kick it down the road you kick it kick it down yeah. down 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 the road you know and we can debate if that was right or wrong wrong to do the historical fact is that slavery was a very normal thing in the 1700s and the 18th century I mean, later on, it became, rightly so, the issue that it should have been from, from the beginning. But, you know, this is kind of imposing our modern views back into history. Mm-hmm. I mean, We can't put our mo- modern-day morals on historical figures who oh, came from... Oh, we've had this discussion. A, 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 yes, we, we've had this discussion on In several occasions. Yeah. You know, yes,
0: who, I totally, totally agree with that because you'll hear numerous arguments and conversations that are based on today's morals judging 200 years ago we've talked about this yes Yes. you know know,
1: this is this is the same thing and since we're on the topic of of slavery to kind of be a bit of a provocateur you know people in the 17th century thought slavery was completely normal and if you were anti-slavery they thought you were weird there's something had to be wrong, wrong with you. You know, you you are the problem here, and I and I, I think it just shows you the correct progression of society where people understood it, that slavery is immoral. Society just had to take time to realize that, and that kind of too. I don't think anybody
0: would. I I don't think that's an argument for debate, really. I no. mean, we we would all agree that slavery's immoral <laughs> yes well it was I mean, a, it, well, well, yeah
1: well it was a hell of a debate in the American Civil War I can tell you that you know yeah
2: I, it... mm. speak, sorry
1: speak oh great sage <laughs>
2: rename me Zarathustra I mean it, it's it's interesting because I think I think Erhard you said if you ever taught a class on the history of slavery that you would go all the way back to the ancient world. Yeah. Because slavery has ex- as since the be- since the beginning of human civilization
0: slavery has existed. Yes. Every every civilization has been on both sides of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every civilization has been slaves or has had slaves. One yeah, either, either I didn't mean to interrupt. Be, no, 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 be, no, no that's
1: the perfect point, I and mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they've either enslaved others or be or have been enslaved the, themselves. Yep. I mean, the Romans, for instance, the famous slave society in 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 history, enslaved everyone, irrespective of color, a creed, religion, nationality. And then when the Roman Empire fell, the Visigoths, who sacked Rome, enslaved the Romans. They carted them off as slaves. I mean, there, you they have a perfect historical example of that dichotomy. Um, the, the issue of, of ancient slavery, and that's why I wanted to te- teach this, is that you have two types of slavery. You have ancient slavery, which people are usually you know, captured or defeated in battle, and then they are enslaved, and they become the labor force for their conquerors. And then, of course, you have, I would say, early modern slavery. That's slavery in the transatlantic setting where you have people in Africa which were captured by Africans and then sold as a commodity, as a workforce that then went to the Americas. Although most people forget this, there was also slave trade on the east coast of Africa where the same thing happened, and then people were captured and they were sold off to the Muslim empires as a labor oh, force. Oh, the Ottoman Empire. Well, I mean, the Ottoman Empire yeah. as, as had just as many slaves as um, the American mm-hmm. continents, I think.
2: Yeah, so... the. And I lost my train of thought. That happens. Mm. So, but, and I can edit some of these things out if we wanted to, uh, as far as like the big pauses. But,
1: yeah. No, with. The dead air doesn't sound good, you know? Yeah,
2: I know, right? So, with with the problem in American history is that, and I'm going, and I think Erhard probably knows where I'm going with this. uh, What is it? The 1619 project?
1: Yes, I've heard about that.
2: Which is to try and reorient American history as being on built on the foundation of racial history, that basically saying that from its inception, America was a racist institution because of the influx of slavery into America. And there's an issue with doing that because that uh, that automatically you don't say. Yeah, right? Because that automatically removes, you know, we true objectivity in history is not possible, right? Cuz all everything's an interpretation. Yes. But you at least have to it should try to be as objective as possible. And they're stating immediately that our goal excuse me, that our goal is not to be objective. Our goal is to specifically build history upon this foundational belief. And I'm kind of like you know, I'm sorry, but when the when the Puritans came over to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they weren't coming over here to establish a slave state.
1: No, they were f- fleeing oppression in England to oppress people here. That's correct. They wanted to oppress their own people. Yes. Um. <laughs> hence the Salem witch trials. Yeah. But I mean, it's
2: it. It, it's I don't know. It's a touchy issue. How how the heck did we get here? How did we get on mm. slavery on the second episode? Well, this
1: is what kind of happens when you go down ra- rabbit holes.
0: and we were talking about the the black community here in America, oh, yeah. we we got on this talking about political expediency and Lincoln. There it is. And Lincoln, okay, yeah, uh, and, and
2: you want to uh, talk about uh, the biggest political expediency? Uh, the Three Fifths Compromise, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Written. This is why I told. Uh, so when I taught you know American history this last semester, I you you remember this, Rusty? I I told the students there's two different two different Americas being put out there. There's the ideal America, which is represented in the Declaration of Independence, and then there's the real America, represented by the Constitution. And the ideas from the Declaration of Independence don't always translate into the Constitution, because the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator by certain unalienable rights. Whereas the Constitution says, black man's worth three-fifths of a white man... (laughs) It's written into
1: law, and it As didn't say one's it, a
0: declaration, a statement, and one's a law. Well,
1: no. I, I I do love that um, that same document didn't even you know mention the other half of the human population, you know, women. Mm-hmm. So had to wait wait for the what the nineteenth yeah, amendment? And you know? Yeah, and that twentieth uh, 20th. twentieth 20th, okay twentieth 20th,
2: amen- yeah twentieth. So, so my my whole thing is that was definitely politically expedient. It was was what Earhart was referring to. They wanted to kick that can down the road because they needed a nation to form out of this whole thing. Because let's not let's not kid ourselves. Britain was really ticked that they lost the colonies. They wanted them back. And if we hadn't been able to form into a nation at the time, and this is what the framers knew, if you couldn't re- unite and become strong, you we'd become separate and weak, and, and Britain would just basically pick us off one by one. Yeah, because oh, yes. they were they were willing
1: to do it. And, I mean, the War of 1812, you know, kind of show, shows that. And I think that had you know, the British not been, well, preoccupied with a certain man in France, you know, things might have gone very, very differently. Yeah. Um, but you, this, is, this is the strange things that history turned on. You know, now now you have a case of where Britain is no longer the great global empire, but America is. And now Britain is an ally of America, not, not the other way around. Mm which is a point you brought up Robert earlier earlier today Oh, we were having it. Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> so I mean so they so yeah they in order to form the nation they did what was politically expedient. And and and, and, and you know the framers back in what was that 1789? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They back, they couldn't maybe some of them foresaw you know this is going to be an issue further down the road and some really, of them did. Yeah, some of them did. Uh, but Jefferson, Adams and George Washington chief among them. Yeah, they but most people couldn't see the immense destruction of a civil war like that coming up. The idea was that, you know, we, we, we'll be able to reason together and sit down together. But the problem was is that when they did that, they institutionalized slavery in the law of the United States mm. and they created that institution.
0: No, no, that it, well, they didn't create that. That institution was already there.
2: Yeah, but they but when you put it in the Constitution, you give it legitimacy. Yeah so you don't right. the institution so, yeah, the was institu- already so when i say they created what they did was they they codified it into law
1: yeah they yeah they just legitimized it really yeah
2: exactly the institution yeah obviously the institution was already there they didn't create the institution of slavery it was already present but what they did was they further institutionalized it by giving it legitimacy through through the constitution and once that happened it was free to grow into
1: what it became you know the the slave aristocracy of the south but this, this talks to a point that you were talking about, um, Rusty, when you asked about you know doing things for political expediency. And now you see a, a historical narrative where things are continuously being done for political expediency until that system can no longer support itself and it collapses. Now, that is the question. What happens when that system collapses? And here we have the case of the American Civil War. You have armed conflict where the... People within a nation see that things are being done for a political ex- ex- expediency and, they, and and this reaches a boiling point where people simply say to government, no, we're no longer going to support these, these practices and these issues. And I think that is, the quote you, a slippery slope, and I would say a very dangerous one when you look at these riots currently. where Where is this going? You know, Is it going to de-escalate or is it going to escalate? Um, there has to be a middle ground that has to be found. Now, I know being a centrist in this country is kind of a dirty word, but, you know, I'm not a centrist in the American setting, but I'm kind of a, more of a middle-of-the-road middle of, middle of the road guy where I think that both sides' concerns need to be listened to in a civil con conversation where compromises can be reached between both sides.
0: Well, I think we would both, all three of us would agree that there's a difference between a protest and a riot,
1: Oh yes, that is in fact emphatically true, and that's
0: been part of the problem with this. But to go back to the point, because that famous
2: quote from Martin Luther King came out Mm -hmm. that, um, or no, no, it wasn't riot. It was it wasn't Martin Luther King. It was uh, John. It was Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Said that a riot was, a riot was the expression of people whose voices haven't been heard. Something like that. I mean, when you take away the ability to, to have your voice heard people feel they have no other option than to turn to violence. Yeah, And and the issue here is, I think, that for so long, as, as you brought up at the very beginning, Rusty, 10 presidents since the civil rights said they yeah. were going to fix this issue. And every time the black community comes out and says... We want to talk this out. We want to talk... Fix it. And, and they yeah. do what's politically expedient, and they can kick I, the can down the road. Can yeah. I... And, and eventually, at some point, people stop listening to Martin Luther King, and they start listening to Malcolm X. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And
0: that's and that's been part of the problem, is the black community in America is used politically. It's become... It, it, they're used
1: a political football.
0: A political yes. football. And that's created a lot. And for 10 presidents, we've talked about it, every one of them's going to do these things, these things. And they fall back on, I don't know if you want to call it political expediency or whatever, but at the end of the day, they don't try to resolve it.
1: No, I mean, why? why? It, it's the same reason why people don't cure cancer. There's no money in curing cancer. There's money in treating cancer. and you can argue that the black community is used as some political currency within, within politics. Well, you, you you have a problem and I'm going to solve this problem, and then they just don't. But I got your vote. So now I'm not going to do what you want you, what I told you I'm going to do because I already got your vote. I mean this, this, this talks to the issue of you know elections. Um, if you elect someone, then there needs to be some accountability that people need to be held to their promises. We elected you, and now you're going to do what you told us we were going to do. But the, it seems to be... Well, let me just fin- finish this point. I'd love love you to to jump in. This is the same argument that I heard from many people. Oh, I'm going to vote for the Democratic Party or for the Republican Party because I've always voted that way. And I thought, you must be an absolute idiot, an imbecile, you know, oh, yeah. a troglodyte. I mean... If, if these people know that they can count on your vote no matter what, why are they going to do anything that is to your benefit? Um, the same argument can be made for the black community, with many of the political leaders being assured of their vote because the black community have always historically voted one way or another or even for an individual person. So if you're assured of your votes, why would you do anything to better the lives of the people? You already have their vote, so you know, stuff them. This goes back. Sorry, Rusty, go ahead.
0: No, no, the, the, political, Keith, oh, you hit it perfect. I was sitting with a colleague a while back and talking about their candidate. And they go, well, you know, it's just the primary. They're going to say whatever because they're trying to get recognized. It's like they, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and it's like this accepted. We have become a society that just, well, they're politicians. They will lie. We don't want to hold them accountable. That's what's sad. And we just accept, oh, and you spot on on the party thing because those are – when somebody regardless just votes for the party, it's – regardless of who – it reminds me of the uh, expression that they had for – southern democrats uh blue dog democrats okay they said you could put a blue dog on the ballot and every southern democrat if they would would vote for him
1: i mean this is this is the same problem we have in south africa where you have the the anc which is the ruling party that have come to see themselves as the only legitimate party and who have claimed the majority of votes because they are the party of independence from 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 the apartheid regime. This is uh, Nelson Mandela's form. This is this party. is Nelson Man- Well, Nelson Mandela was part of part of the the the, the ANC, um, first president. Uh, well, first democratically elected president of South Africa in 1994. Um, but you, you have the same mentality of, you know, well, the majority of South Africans are going to vote for us in any way because they've you know always voted for us. We are kind of the party of freedom and independence. So now politicians within the ANC simply do as they please. I mean, mm-hmm. there are many, many, many pressing political economic and social problems that the majority of South Africans face, but the ANC simply ignores this because they know that they already have their votes in the bag. And that is a very dangerous thing. I mean, from from things like that, if populations are left to languish, if you will, long enough, then you will see civil disobedience. You will see rioting, you will see looting, and eventually, depending on the response from government, you will see civil, civil strife. Civil unrest.
2: And let me point out, and this happened, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, more to Earhart's point, with Biden, when he said uh, he was on the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne, and he said, "If you're having trouble, th- if what did he say? If you, if you are having trouble deciding to vote for me, you aren't black." He said that. On oh, the sign I heard off. about yeah. that. And and that goes right to what Earhart's talking about. Biden assumes that because he's Democrat. He automatically gets the black vote, and that should that should signal to you that when he becomes president, he's not going to do anything for you. Why? Because he already got your vote. The, he are, you have no leverage once you've given somebody your vote. And I think if, if you want to change things and you want to hold Biden to the fire, then the entire black community just needs to say, yeah, we're not voting Democrat. We're gonna vote for. We're not gonna vote Trump. We'll vote for somebody else. We'll vote for Jesse Ventura if he runs for the Green Party, right? Mean? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, because, but that that to me, when when Biden said that, confirmed that he was thinking in his mind. I already have the black vote. Ergo, I don't have to do anything. And that's why. And Charlemagne was trying to point that out. And he said that after he said, "Well, that's not what it's about, man. We we want change in our community." We need change in our community. And Biden's not, response was not, not
1: want, need we need change. Desperately yeah. need by and, any account.
2: And Biden's response was, you know, you know, well, you know, if, if you can't decide whether or not to vote for me, you ain't black. That was his response because that he automatically assumes because I'm a Democrat, I get the black vote. And for the most part, that's true. And that's why the uh, the black community has no agency even with a democratic president. And I just use the word I hate, agency. You know I don't like that word. I know.
1: Word. But, but that's true. Even with a black president. How very
2: unacademic of you. Even with a black democratic president, Obama. What did the Obama do for the black
1: community? Okay, Rush Limbaugh.
2: It was, no, no more like Jimmy Dore, um, because I, I, I do not like Rush Limbaugh, for the record. Um, never could stand him. Uh, but But there were just as many people evicted from their homes under Obama. Yep, Trump may be putting immigrants in cages at the border, but Obama built the cages. Let's go back and correct. I'm just pointing this out. Oh, oh, no, no. And if you're listening to this and I really just pissed you off, you can go ahead and comment if you want. But I want to ask you, send me some articles. uh, If you're listening to this right now, send me some articles where you can show me that... Obama made lasting change in the black community, and then go and look at a video of him going to Flint, Michigan, and drinking the water and telling the black community there that the water's fine; they can go ahead and keep drinking it.
0: Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and tell me what he did. Well, for you, the, to, to point out, well, Rob, he's Robert's still, point: he's the previous ten presidents from Martha's didn't do it. Vineyard hmm? in defense of Obama, he's still working for Martha's Vineyard. So <laughs> I couldn't resist. Wow! <laughs> go ahead. You had to bring up the vineyard, didn't wow. you? Yeah.
1: But, had but, but, had but, to go there. But I mean, this 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 is the point. I mean, I can ask the same thing as you know. Show me the previous ten U.S. presidents who've actually made a substantial change to the lives of Black Americans, and and there there aren't any.
2: Well, and and I'm kind of a I'm so I'm a fan of LBJ because of how he manhandled congress and how he well in some ways <laughs> how he handled uh, russian ambassadors certain russian ambassadors yes by handling other things yes by handling other things um but people people give credit for johnson for passing the civil rights legislation i said yes but who worked against johnson in passing civil rights it was the democrats right the mm. democrats were going to the senate the democratic senate was going to filibuster the civil rights act that Johnson went through, he had to work with the Republicans on that one. But here's the issue: uh, I'm trying to. Oh man, forgot where I was going with. Oh, LBJ would not have been able to pass the Civil Rights Act without the assassination of John F. Kennedy, because he played on the nation's um, shock and and absolute horror at watching a president get shot, right? At losing a president. Mm-hmm. And so you can and he, you can hear it in his speech to Congress. This is the legacy of John F. Kennedy. We need to pass it yeah. now, right? And that's how he gets it passed. So it took the death, and this is why I tried to infl- uh, get my students to understand when I taught the second half of American history. It took the death of a United States president on live, not well, not it was recorded, but on television for us to pass civil rights legislation in this country. I don't think, without the death of Kennedy... You don't get civil rights in the 1960s being mm. passed. Because Kennedy did not have the political capital and power to do that.
1: Well, I don't think he even had the political will. I mean, wasn't yeah. he the president who, who stopped the freedom rides, if I remember correctly? Well, it was,
2: well, if in all honesty, it was Bobby. And I love Bobby Kennedy. Everybody gives credit to John F. Kennedy. It was Bobby. Bobby Kennedy is the one that when they start on live television, people were seeing them unleash fire hoses on the people in Alabama, right? Yep. And, you know, a fire hose can... can take the skin off you. I've seen a fire hose can take bark off a tree, so it it hurts. And they're hacking people with dogs. Bobby had to go to the White House as attorney general and say and sit his brother down and say, "You have to stop this. You cannot let this go on." And and Kennedy was kind of really removed from it. And then Bobby kind of made uh John sit down and watch these things on the television and then JFK was like, "Oh my god." And that's when he called up the governor and said, "Yeah, you can't be attacking these people of water... You can't be attacking children of water hoses, man. Uh, But it was Bobby Kennedy that had to do it. Like you said, I don't think JFK did have the political will to do it. It was Bobby that had to kind of, you know, light a fire under him. Yeah. And that's why um, the greatest loss to our nation I think was Bobby Kennedy getting assassinated when he did.
0: Saran, Saran.
2: Yeah. Mm. Because I mean that, um, you know, Joseph Kennedy the 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 patriarch of that family had it all planned out and the older brother the oldest brother JFK's older brother was supposed was going to be, the be president. president and he and, was
0: killed in World War 2 Exactly
2: and and JFK was going to be a senator
0: So would you
2: say like he
1: was sort of a Rodrigo Borgia Yes, that's a very good... <laughs> planning, concern. planning, planning out... Oh, you know, <laughs> no, no, yeah. The Pope, Pope Alexander III, well, the sixth. you know, planning out his whole family to...
2: Okay, we just compared the Kennedy family to the Borgias of, of Italy. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> but it's an apt comparison. I'm yes. Just, it is. Joseph Kennedy, especially Joseph Kennedy. Most people don't un- know who Joseph... Joseph Kennedy had his daughter, Rosemary... Was it Rosemary Kennedy? The sister? Mm-hmm. I think it was Rosemary. Anyways, he had his daughter lobotomized because she was too wild. And, he, and she was going to bring shame on the family. So, you know, he let a guy put an ice pick into her frontal lobe. So he was like Rodrigo, Rodrigo Borgia. Yeah. Right? Well, he was worse than Rodrigo in many ways because Rodrigo never did that to his daughter. He just wanted to screw his daughter. Call it for yeah. what it was. Right? I mean, I know.
0: Joseph, he was a Nazi too. Oh, okay. Joseph he, Kennedy? He supported the Nazis. Yeah, so did FDR. Yep. Uh, uh, at the beginning, so did mm. so did the royal
2: family of England. Yeah, until there, the, we just pissed off everybody that's a British listener. Un, 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 until they I'm realized okay what that. they were,
1: you know, British.
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had uh, the, the queen's uncle, you know, visited Hitler. Mm-hmm. We think visited some of those camps, right? Yeah, and uh, and she didn't know about it, but even even her father admired Hitler until, you know, Hitler started bombing them.
1: Yeah, until, until they realized what he was. And, yeah. You know, this is, this is the same thing, that you have political strife, you have people protesting the same thing within the Weimar government and the Weimar government simply wasn't paying attention to the German people. So the German people turned towards someone who was paying attention to them, or at least fooled them into believing that he was paying attention to them. And it's the same point that we brought up with these riots, you know, when, when government is ignoring the people, who do they turn to next? You know, the man on the white horse. They 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 turn to the man on on the white horse or the man from the ivory pulpit. You know, both both are equally bad. You know, we, these these things need to be considered seriously and then managed. I mean, you don't want you know the American Hitler to kind of take take over a large a large movement of people and then start a political revolution. I mean, that is anathema to everything that the, democracy stands for, at least in this country. As far as I understand it, and just to kind
2: of play this out now, I am amazed. I am absolutely amazed that nobody in these protests yet has been armed. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I mean, I am, I am
0: just uh, amazed. Go and I back think it's,
2: in I, no, I'm talking like they're all carrying weapons, and I'm talking, yeah. I'm not talking like sticks and clubs. I'm talking about guns.
0: No, but and it's was. because
2: the, and it's because the he, the most heavily armed. Go ahead. The most heavily armed strata of our society is what it's the middle class. Mm-hmm. The middle class has not yet started rioting. And it's the middle class that has the most firearms in this country.
0: That's a game changer.
2: If the middle class and and to me and and I think it may have been and I'm portraying who I listen to here. I listen to a lot of Jimmy Dore, but Jimmy Dore talked about this. Do You listen to
0: anybody else? I do. I listen to a lot of people. He doesn't listen to me or you. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you know. Well, I have finished my doctorate, gentlemen. No, it's... Um,
1: no, it's... Dr. Lunyon. No. Not to me. Not to me. Oh, because I know what <laughs> I you know are. I know where you are. I know what you are, sir. I know where you come from. I was there also. <laughs> but but um,
2: he did point out that these, these governors, these state governors, are terrified Of the idea of the middle class starting to protest with people, and it's happening in California, it's starting to happen in California, and because once the middle class gets involved, it's just like the yellow vests in France, right? Yes. Then the government has to pay attention because when the middle class gets involved, things get out of hand. Things get out exponentially
1: rather quickly, and this is the point that I was I was making earlier. You know, when you have protests like this, and there is people ramping up the tension what stops someone from bringing a gun and shooting a police officer yeah and yes there are a cases where, where 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 police officers have been shot and mm. I'm not entirely convinced if they were rioters protesters well probably rioters or someone who would just go and shoot a cop any well, any any other day but now he has a perfect example but well, what happens if a mass of people armed with firearms start a protest and the police try to arrest them Are they going to shoot the police? Are the police going to shoot them? What happens when they start shooting each other on the streets of America? It would not take much to get that to start happening if they're all armed. It's a powder keg waiting to... It is a powder keg. This is the same thing that happened within Syria when the Syrian government lost control by being, well, authoritative and tramping down on the Syrian people's rights and their rights to protest. They started shooting civilians and the civilians said, well, now we're going to start shooting back because they did deploy both armed police and the military to repress their population. And that is the danger that worries me the most. Those things could actually happen if this situation is not properly managed. As far as the
2: shooting of some of these cops Mm -hmm. goes… To me, this is the perfect time, and I'm not advocating this in any way. But if you wanted to murder one of these people, this is the perfect time to do it. Yes, and let's say
1: criminals will take will will use this opportunity.
2: I mean, let's say let's say that that somebody had a beef with this cop, like their like his neighbor or something, like just really hated this guy, and he happened to be a cop. Now's the time to take him out. And again, not advocating this at all. I'm just saying that that, and I'm not saying that. It's just that you know we don't know who killed these cops yet. These individual cops that got shot—it could have been somebody who always wanted to kill this guy, and is now taking the opportunity, knowing that it's going to be blamed on the protest, knowing it's going to be blamed on the riots, and he's probably going to get away with it because of the fact that they're going to. It, the automatic assumption is is that this is from the rioters. It's not his neighbor who, uh, you know, his dog, you know, took a crap so many times on his lawn, right? I mean, and that's the, and that's the danger here. Is is what is what Earhart's saying is that it keeps getting ramped up more and more, more and more. And at some, you know, and at some point, you got to wonder, I think it, I don't know how some of these protesters haven't gone to some of these things armed. I don't know. And and I think it shows a great restraint on the part of the protesters after seeing what happens in other cities, not to be armed. I mean, because it's, because they're still true. out there protesting, and they're not armed, knowing that the police in other cities have beaten the crap out of people. Yeah, you know, and I and I and it does take that to me. That does take us. That does take courage to do that, knowing that you're going in someplace where you may be beaten and you're not armed. Yeah, and that and but it will all change once people have had enough. And and my 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 hope is is that in the coming in the coming weeks. Ch- some sort of change or some something will happen and we will start kind of going on the downhill slope of this. But for for the moment, it appears that it's going to remain steady. And I, I have no problem with protests continuing on from here to whenever, but the violence, I, I don't know what this week is going to bring. And actually, the weekend is when violence happens the most because mm. that's when everybody starts getting out in the streets because they don't work on the weekends. Yeah, because
1: violence only propagates more violence. That is... That is the sad, the sad Snowball fact of
0: going it. down the hill; it, it, it just gathers steam. The eye for an eye mentality. Yep. yep, gathers
1: steam. And you know, I I have to stand with your opinion that you know I think people can protest for the next eighteen months as long as there's a peaceful, pro- a peaceful protest where 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 it becomes such a large issue that people in power have to start paying attention to it. But. This, this is a powder keg, as you rightly point out, um, Rusty, that if it is mismanaged, it could blow up rather dangerously in everyone's faces.
2: And I would lay a lot of this blame at the feet of the United States Congress. They have been so derelict in their duties, and I'm going to take it to them, they have been so derelict in their duties... That this has gotten this has gotten so far out of hand. Because where are where are the senators and the and the um the by the way the Democrats rule the House. Where's the House? Oh, uh, we're, the we're...
0: proxy vote you're talking about. No, we're... I'm
2: talking about I'm talking about the fact that nobody's coming out and saying we need to sit down and listen to these people and actually make legislation to change some things. They're not even they're not even proposing legislation to that change would require
0: the... Nancy Pelosi to put down her ice cream. <laughs> I you, couldn't resist. Sorry, again. You know,
2: my mom, my mom uh, listened to our podcast. Uh, you okay. uh, number one fan, of course. And um, she said, "I didn't know about the Nancy Pelosi ice cream thing." And I'm like, mm. <laughs> "Now you know. Now you um, know." It,
1: been... It's
2: just they. I, they're I, so I can't, they, they're, not, they're, do- they're so disconnected right now. It's just like the French Revolution, where riots are happening in Paris, and Versailles doesn't know what's going on, right? Because they're so far removed, or they
1: just don't care, or they it don't care. It, it, it doesn't influence them, you know. And it
2: goes back to this callousness of government we were talking yes. about last last time. But they they there's no legislation being made. I'm sorry if 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 people are burning down whole sections of cities, I might come together and say, let's uh, sit down, let's talk about some laws that need to be passed to stop the rioting and the rioting stops when the protests stop by the way because yes. the rioting is not going to stop because people are going to use the protests as cover for rioting it's, it's a, a good point yes. very good point so until you address the problems of the protests what the protesters need, need the needs yes. of the people yes. which the congress is there for right but but this is the pro- and you know but the only way it changes is if the you know the number one way this all could change right now is if the black community as a whole stood up and said we are not voting democrat in this next election until we see some legislation that would get them moving real quick
0: yeah that's true because I mean,
2: you would see the entire because if they actually did that if they didn't vote democrat and
1: voted green party or even formed their own party they should they should form right? their own party i mean this they is should. something that but, i that, that i always talk about to people and you 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 know this very well the two party state within within the american system you know being what it is i think that a multi party state would serve the interest of of the people better because then you have government being forced to create coalitions with opposition parties to reach compromises that give something to the majority of, of, of people because the way it is now, it's no matter who you are, you are assured of votes because there's only two options. You can either pick A or you can pick B. There are no other options. And I think for a truly democratic system, that is intellectually dishonest. Mm. So, you
2: Very know, we, point. I find it funny we debated before this, before we started, if we should even talk on this subject and it's pretty much consumed <laughs> our well, entire. I mean, because, it, because we can't, we we're can't, living, be, we we're can't, living it. We're doing this podcast for the benefit of others, but also as a way to, you know, record our conversations, but we can't not address it. No. Because we as historians, have seen this all in the past, it's the same damn issues. Yes. there t- As you said, 10 presidents we've gone through, and they've all said the same thing.
1: It's the same issues, term after term after term. And, I mean, you can, because we're historians, we can bring this up, um, you, you see this in things like the French Revolution. You see these things like the great socialist revolutions of the eight well eighteenth eighteen forties. And yeah, the eighteen forties and well the Germ the German states in yeah. France, for instance, again. And in Russia, with the Russian Revolution. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is America's French Revolution or America's Russian Revolution, because it, it is far away from, from that. I, I read an article yeah. um, the other day where the caption was, you know, um, is this America's French Revolution? I would say, well, no, this isn't even close to the French Revolution. Yeah, I
2: don't see clergy being dragged through the streets and then decapitated.
1: Yeah, or, or government officials, you know. Hey. That too. It's not over. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Or, or, and I don't see
2: the people throwing up the barricades in Washington D.C. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. Although,
1: although I know, yeah. I, I, I know the French no, would the love, people, not the. Mm-hmm. I know the French would love to see the Americans do 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 that. But, you know, that's just. <laughs> oh, can that, I, just can, just a I just, opinion. can I just point
2: something out that to me was just so hilarious today? Um, the New York please, Times please came out, do. or one of them came out and said that talked about how Putin condemned America for not allowing a dem- democratic <laughs> process to take place and uh, said, you need to allow people to protest. And I said, you right. know it's bad when the president of Russia is telling you you're violating human rights. <laughs> and I said, and, and then and then another article came out and said, yeah, all the all the people that we've criticized about human rights are taking this opportunity to uh, turn the tables on
1: America now. Is China chief amongst them? You know? Yeah, China but and it, Russia chief but it, amongst but them. But it's yeah. not like China isn't depressing rights currently. You know? Oh yeah,
2: and it's pot calling the kettle black, right? I, I mean, know. so, but it's it just goes to show that no matter how developed a democracy is, or how perfect "quote unquote" you think something is a government, there's always going to be issues, and if you don't address them, there this will happen. This is this is they the biggest grow. part. I'm sorry. This is the biggest part for me. I mean, uh, Erhard, we, I I showed you that clip from The West Wing, mm-hmm. one of my favorite shows, where you had um Lord John Mulberry Mulberry. What Mul- was his name? Mulberry. No, not Mulberry. Sorry, oh, okay. not Mulberry. It's um, Lord John. Um, I can't remember his last name. Anyways, but he was brought in to to help the president with the uh, uh border dispute between Pakistan and India, who were go- about ready to go to war with each other, <laughs> and um, he he pointed out he he pointed out um this is being caused by um. Basically, you're not paying attention to the situation, but he also said, and also the criminally negligent, um, the criminally negligent, the criminal negligence of your Congress not to stamp down the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Mm. You know, so it all goes back to the government dropping the ball. And, and, and so on the local level here, on the, on what we see is the police, police being brutal to, to people People attacking police, but if you want to know where to put the blame, look at that big white temple of democracy on the hill. That is where the Congress has been so. and I, 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 It enrages me because the Congress has
0: been so derelict in doing anything. Could you say follow the money? You, well, certainly, <laughs> I'm okay. sure. But
1: I mean, but but it, to it, do a Marxist it, argument here, you know.
2: <laughs> but it, it's yep. if you want to know who to blame, blame Congress.
0: Oh, totally. The people agree.
2: that the people. That, so we have all agreed that in order to affect change in our society, we go to the Congress, right? Why? And they can stay there for life. The rule of government, right? Well, yeah, we need to fix that too, but that's a topic for another for another thing. So next week, yeah. For next week, yeah. Well, we and we never discussed the quote of the week I brought up last time. We need to do that, but but that's what I'm saying is is that is that people are blaming the cops, people, and, or blaming the protesters or the rioters. And that's what the I, I'm a little cynical here. That's what the Congress wants. They want the people blaming other each other for their problems instead of looking to the real problem, which is on Capitol Hill. They're yep. not nobody. The the nobody is putting the blame where it belongs, and that's on Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House, and Mitch McConnell, because he leads the Senate. The Senate could lead on this if they wanted to. Mitch McConnell's just as disingenuous as Nancy Pelosi. So people are not putting the blame where it needs to belong, and it belongs in the representative government. And until you effect change from there,
0: you're not going to get it. I want to add to that. While we talk about 10 10 presidents, Mm -hmm. how long has Mitch McConnell held his seat in the senate how long has nancy pelosi been well you know a represent- well, george washington swore him in right <laughs> <laughs> i would not doubt that
1: i mean i call
0: mm, so, so, that so,
1: man so 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 you are you you are telling me that all of these people have been there since the the 10 since 10 presidents ago you know some of them have i i'd be curious on that and and you know that that that's something that I always love love to bring up within you know the the Romans. The Romans we all know had a weird political system, and we know it was corrupt as all as all hell. But you know at least they had a system where people actually had to do things for their constituents to be reelected. So they forced government into kind of having rather stringent term limits, and if you wanted to be reelected, you actually had to do something to get back into the money. So I I think there's definitely an argument to be made that you have to have some sort of turnover or some incentive for these people to actually do their jobs. Otherwise, it's the same argument. Well, we already have your vote. You already voted for me, and I'll just stay here for life, and I can do as I please instead of doing what my constituents require
0: of me. That's If I could digress just a second to our earlier conversation, we were talking about political expediency. Mm -hmm. That's why I get so offended when they say, well, it's for political reasons. Are you offended? Oh, (laughs) that just drives me crazy. For well, the, it's for political reasons. Not that it's good or well. It's it, either good or bad.
2: For the record, McConnell has been in office for thirty-five years. Huh. He Assumed office in nineteen eighty-five. And
0: Nancy Pelosi. Uh,
2: keep talking between yourselves. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> I got to look that I'd up. I'd be
0: very curious on that.
1: No, but I mean, this if, is this is an interesting point you bring up. Yeah, I, I I think that you know the the answer of oh it was done for political reasons. That's kind of a well, I don't know, you can... You, that's a scapegoat you, to well, me. Well, you can call it a con as well, you know. That, that's, that's Excellent word. That's, I think, really what it is, you know. Okay, idiots or, or idiot public, you know, this is the reason we are giving you because clearly you don't understand why we did it. And we're also not going to tell you because that'll make us look bad. Now, I am cynical by nature, you know, as, as both of you can kind of attest, but that's always where I asked the question, what was the real motivation of why people did things politically? Will you ever really know the reason, or is the official reason kind of a nice, a nice cover that's being used to cover up some, some weird machinations? And, and I think some healthy skepticism of you know, uh, people in authority should be an ever-present thing. You know, the, the argument is, you know, who guards the guardians? If no one guard, guards them, they can do as they please. And you def- I think you definitely see that today with the riots and then with the political reaction to these riots and protests.
2: So Nancy Pelosi has been in office since 1987, which means she's been in there for 33 years. Oh. So she's been in just as long as Mitch McConnell, basically. Mm. Um, so these are people that assumed office in the 80s. And um, you need to... Um, anybody who wants to read about what's kind of going on here... Uh, And to me, this opened my eyes, and uh, Rusty, I need to get you a copy of this book, The True Believer, Thoughts on the Nature of Mass Movements by Eric Hoffer. Intellectuals hate this guy because he's completely self-taught, yet he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom for what he talked about. But he was talking about the fact that, he was talking about the difference between mass movements, and then when a mass movement becomes institutionalized, it loses all its purpose and functionality. Because the minute you become institutionalized, it becomes about keeping the status quo, rather than about changing things. And basically, um, using that model, what he's saying is, is that you may run. So let's take one of my favorite people, AOC, for an example, shall we? You know who I'm talking about, right? Oh uh, yeah, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. <laughs> so she starts. She ran on this movement platform, if you will, the the Justice Democrats or whatever they called themselves, right? She ran on that on that platform. something
1: that sounds vaguely democratic and promises something, yeah.
2: yeah. So she ran more on a type of "We need to start a movement," because she, she used to she did work on the Bernie campaign the first time, I mm-hmm. think. And the, but the minute she becomes a congresswoman and is given power, it's understood that that power can be taken away. And all of a sudden, you're doing things not based on what's good for the movement or what's right. You're doing it based on what you have and what can be taken away. It's like uh, that movie 1492. Political
0: with, expediency. Yeah,
2: if we look, yeah, it's like that movie with um, 1492 about Christopher Columbus when you had uh, the bishop didn't want to give Christopher Columbus the funds. And the the chancellor of Spain or whatever he was, the, the head duke, basically said, Well, the interesting thing about power, your grace, is that which is so effortlessly given can just as easily be taken away. And that was a and so Nancy Pelosi has given AOC certain privileges for which for a freshman congresswoman is unheard of being put on. Was she put on the Ways and Means Committee or something? What committee was she put on that's so like unheard of for a freshman congresswoman being on there?
1: I I, I Ways and cool. means I mean, is one of the
2: committees she's on that is just unheard of. And so she was given that power. And now the idea is, is that if you don't Follow what I tell you to do. You're going to lose your power. But, so
1: I mean that. That's Nancy just,
2: Pelosi has the thumb on AOC.
1: Well, that just proves proves the point. You know, you are you are establishing the the status quo by giving people a piece of the pie mm-hmm. and And then they want to
2: protect their piece of the pie.
1: Yeah, the, and then you want to protect your piece of the pie. And then, well, if you don't do as we tell you, you're going to lose your piece of the pie. So I mean that that's kind of how how you how you establish and maintain the status quo. You get enough people to buy into um, the status quo so you can, you can do whatever you like as long as you keep them happy. And I think that's kind of a, lo- a large part of you know, statecraft as well, and particularly talking about an earlier point about the middle class. You know, as long as the middle class are vested in, in the status quo, Nothing substantively will actually change politically like within right any, now. within any country. No, but as soon as the middle class start getting affected, then you really see large political change. I mean, talking about the revolutions that we talked about, the middle class was just as equally impacted as the well. I would say the well the the, the poor class. Within within those societies. When
2: you see a modern day example in France, I can't remember what the what the protests were over in France a few what was about two years ago. Talking about the yellow vests. Yeah, the vests. yellow vests. Yes. Macron was president mm-hmm. and the people of Paris started protesting mm-hmm. and he could care less, right? But the minute the yellow vests get out, the middle class, mm-hmm. he changed his tune real quick. Yes. And that's because it's it's really is the middle class that keeps the status quo for the upper class. Yeah. Um, they rely on that on that middle class really to bolster their their political power and even their economic power yes because once you, if you get rid of the middle class and you only have the upper class and the poor class then you're going to have riots up the wazoo yeah because that just be, it's the and so to affect political change is to get away from this whole—that's that, the whole thing. That's why I'm trying—we got on this, I guess, because I'm just saying they've been in—Pelosi and McConnell have been in office since the 80s, and nothing has changed. Why? Because they don't want it to. And he points out the fact Eric Hoffer does in this book. He says the reason that they don't want things to change is because they're afraid. They are afraid of what change means. Change can sometimes be good. We could all get richer if things changed. If we all settled down and, and opened up the door for more people to become part of the middle class, this country would become powerful and rich again. You know what I'm saying? When the middle class, my uh, our favorite example, the Dutch, yes. an entire country made up of the middle class. Pretty much. Look how prosperous they are. Because they figured out a long, long time ago that if everybody gets an equal slice of it, not totally equal, but if everybody has the opportunity to get that slice of pie for themselves, become the middle class, they're much less likely to have a revolution and to have violence in the streets. And and so... Change can be good, but those who already have power, those who already have money, don't want things to change because they're afraid it might mean that they may lose that power, they may lose
1: that money. I mean, that is, that is exactly the point that we talked about the Russian Revolution, where you look at Nicholas II, who right off the bat proclaimed himself to be an absolute monarch when the majority of his court and advisors were hoping that ah, he's going to probably say he's going to release power, start a parliament, the Russian Duma, and eventually become something similar to the British monarchy, a, a constitutional monarchy. And you you have that same thing. But he and his wife and his close advisors and the royal families were driven by this fear of loss of power within their own nation, which led to their, well, to their deaths mm-hmm. at the end of, of of the Russian Revolution, yes.
2: And the British figured out that we can still have some power, but we can't. It can't be like it was.
1: Well, I mean, look at all of the monarchies that are still still around. None of the monarchies have the original power that their ancestors had. All of them had to change. But they have with the money. Time. But they, well, they no, granted, no. I'm not
2: saying they. I'm not saying their power and money. I'm saying they don't have the power, but they have their wealth and castles still.
1: Yes, I mean, if if you look at the Dutch nobility, that's very much a constitutional monarchy, and you have the British monarchy, constitutional monarchy, um, Sweden, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Denmark. All of these places Monaco. have have given up this absolute authority to I would say, you know, appease the democratic upswellings within their nation. And those were legitimate changes, I think. It didn't remove their money, their wealth, their status even, is just as high as it was, but it did it did remove them from being autocratic states where they were the only people who had vested interest in the country and within politics. Now it enfranchised everyone to be part of the political process. And this argues to the point of the Dutch and the middle class and the argument you made for America. If everyone in this country has a vested interest in the economy or has access to it to get your piece of pie, then revolutions are much less likely than in any other, other case within history. And the entire floor of society rises. Yes, you still will have the super rich, but then the disparity between the super rich and the poor is not as great. As as you know, in many countries across the world and the United States today.
2: Mm. Well, I'm not quite sure how long it, we were until I hit the the record uh, until I did the intro. So we're sitting at an hour and 53 minutes minus probably about 10 or 15 minutes. So the recordings yeah. we're we're right at that point. Uh, any final thoughts on that? So we we.
1: Covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we we covered a lot of
2: ground, a lot of heavy stuff. But the times we're living in are pretty. I I was thinking about this. You know, I wanted to start this podcast like last year when we first all got together. I just didn't have all the stuff Mm. to do it with, and I was still finishing up my dissertation, and then you know fixing up this house, hardly working. Yeah, right. (laughs) And just couldn't do it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what a hell of a time to start a podcast about current events and history and. And life in general. I mean, it was
1: the best of times, it was the worst of times. Exactly. I mean and we're
2: and and I guess what I what I so I, I told my mom, I said, You're gonna see a lot of things and I guess this is a message just for anybody listening. You're gonna see a lot of things on the news and on TV that are gonna terrify you. And what I told my mom was is don't be terrified, be concerned, be in you know, intellectually engaged with what's going on. But don't be terrified. Because this has happened before, and until I see National Guardsmen on a university campus shooting students, like in Kent State, we're not. This is pretty bad, but we're not as bad as we were. Think no. about think about the bridge. What Selma Bridge? Selma Bridge? No, Montgomery.
0: It was the Selma Bridge? Wasn't it? it was the bridge. Selma. Mm. I know the Selma was the uh... when they crossed
2: that bridge in Alabama. Martin Luther I King that was... was that Selma? Selma or Birmingham? One of them, but when it shows how much we know, right? PhDs Mm -hmm. in history. You you know so much about these things, you get them all confused. But I think it was Selma. When they crossed that bridge, think about that. They had state police on horseback with rubber hoses wrapped in barbed wire beating these people like a medieval knight on horseback beating people with a mace. I said, we're not at that point yet. We're, We're really not. We're getting there, but we're not. So I told my mom, I said, you know, don't be terrified be engaged and more importantly put the blame where it really belongs on your government yes, mm-hmm. i mean
1: you don't you don't have to be kind of you know terrified about the coronavirus unless there's a people bringing around a cart by your house ringing a bell shouting bring out your dead yeah we've moved it's, on from the coronavirus it's, yes it's right? amazing how that it, went away how fast that
2: ho- occurred yeah Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's it's the same thing with these with these riots i mean i would be you know watching and keeping myself informed. But I'm not going to live in terror unless you have roving gangs of people wearing masks going through through, through neighborhoods, breaking into houses and killing people. Isn't that or, happening in South Africa or, right now? Well, that, that's sort of what's happening. I mean, is happening. that why you brought it up? No, just... that, that's kind of what I'm happening, break-ins and murders within mm-hmm. South Africa. But those are those are the type of things that really should terrify you. I, I don't think this situation is quite as bad. Like I said, this is not the French Revolution. There are no barricades and civilians and soldiers no murdering each other on mm. on the streets en masse within this country. There's no guillotine waiting for you. Mm.
2: Yeah. So I, I guess I'm trying to end it on a, on a lecture, of not a lecture, a lesson of hope. Because uh, you know, it is deep and it is... Hope and change. Hope and change. Oh. <laughs> Speaking about the betrayal of that sentiment, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so, does anybody have anything they want to say close out? Because we will get to the quote of the week that was last week. I guess hopefully in the next episode. So, but anybody got any final thoughts on?
1: No, I think we everybody be safe. Yeah. yeah, stay, stay, stay safe. Don't, don't, don't. Stay safe and vote. There it is. And don't riot too much.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, don't what, riot what's protest. that quote
2: from uh, the hunt from red october from sean connery every now and then a uh, little revolution is a good thing
1: <laughs> don't you think <laughs> okay okay jefferson
2: <laughs> and on that note so well thank you all for joining us and i hope we didn't um, tick off too many people but um, we're not and if you and if we did send us an email yeah send us an email we'll engage in a conversation with you right just you know try not to be too nasty but, you know, these are our opinions, and this is what I, when we first started doing this, I said we want, I wanted to do this the same way we did in the office where we talk about things. We I felt like we were a little more unrestrained this time around. Yeah, um, we had scotch, that's why. We had scotch, <laughs> <Art of> scotch. <laughs> Scotch, rum, whiskey.
1: It's ten o'clock in the morning. All of, all, well, it's always five. So, uh, o- it's, all, it's always five o'clock somewhere five in the world. Somewhere. That's, that's right. right.
2: Thank you, Jimmy Buffett. That's true. Uh, that's true. Isn't
1: that a song he does?
2: I wish I could play us out on that song, but I'm going to play us out again on uh, with our song. I know it all. I want to deconstruct your opinions. <laughs> that's one of the lines. <laughs> and subtleties. Subtleties are luxury for subtleties are luxury for the masses subtleties are luxuries for dumbasses that's the Man. that's the lyrics of that song and I'm like there it is oh, yeah. so All well nice. again if you want to if you we'd love to hear from you if you want to comment or send us a question again you can find us on twitter facebook at jca walk into a bar or email jca walk into a bar at gmail.com and uh, gentlemen I think that's it for the day so
0: cheers 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 out here mhm See y'all later.